All right. Good morning to you. It is good to be in the house, Lord. It's great to be back with you this week. We had a wonderful week of vacation. Thank you for allowing us to do that. It was incredible. We saw some of those beautiful scenery out in the Northwest. It's pretty incredible to see the handiwork of our God. And we are glad that you are here today. If you're here as a guest, you're here because your child or grandchild or great-grandchild is graduating, thank you so much for coming today. And today I was really excited about the message because I really intentionally targeted that group of people. Normally, you know, you, you have graduate Sunday and then you preach something, you know. But, um, boy, I guess it was like two or three weeks ago I developed this message um, and then and then whacked it in half and may have to whack it again, I don't know, but whacked it in half. But all week long I've been thinking about where this is going. So 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 let me tell you this. In case you're not graduating, okay, this is for you. And you are graduating, you're gonna say it's really for you, but I want you to see also that it's for every person in this room. You know, life is a cascade of events, if you think about it that way. You know, you know, you go from you know, you know the cheer, big dogs! your stuff, you know, and, and that's how it is in life, you know, you know, you go into, you go into kindergarten and you're that, that little floppy-eared pup thing, you know, and then, and then you go to first grade, and wow, what a deal is that, and you work your way up until you're in fifth grade, and fifth grade, you get to be the big dog, you're the, you're the big man on campus, you know, all right, it's really cool, and then you graduate from fifth grade, and you go to sixth grade, and that is in the middle school. And you go from being a big dog to being a you know, little pup again, a little dog, you know, in the pond. And so then you go six, seven, and finally in eighth grade, you're a big dog again. You know, it's like this reincarnation thing. You know, you're a big dog thing, and all of a sudden you go to ninth grade high school. Oh, no, I'm a little dog again. And you go, 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 and you finally make it to being a senior class of 2019. Yay, I'm a big dog. And Saturday night, you're the star of this show, and Sunday morning, you're nobody. You're just part of the human race again, you know? And then, and then you go to college, and you start out the bottom again. You're a little dog, and you work your way up, and you find it to be a big dog, and you're a senior, and you graduate. And then some of you, after you're getting your four-year degree, are going to go into the workforce, okay? And there you're going to start out the bottom of the totem pole, and you're going to be a little dog again. Some of you will go on to graduate programs where you'll be the little dog, and it just keeps going and going in life. And it never, never stops. Life is a great journey, though, that we love to travel. And you know, when you take a journey, you need some help. Um, you need some aids. Now, we were, we were out there in Washington watching the local news. And here was the question. They did a little, like, you know, survey question thing. So, and, and me and Judy just kept watching the news. We want to know the answer. Here's the question. Here's the question. I guess it's a statement. 25% of teenagers have not seen one of these. 25% of teenagers has not seen one of these. And so we're guessing, you know, I, I came up with a corded telephone. That was not the answer. That was not the answer. But here's what the answer is. 25% of teenagers today have never seen a typewriter. Isn't that amazing how fast things change and how things go, you know? It's just amazing uh, how things change. Well, you know, again, when you're on a trip, you need some travel aids, and things have changed. When I was a kid, they had a thing called gas stations. Now, now they weren't, no, 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 it's not Huck's or Casey's. Gas stations did something amazing. You could buy a Coke, cheese crackers, and gas. And they actually pumped your gas for you, cleaned your windshield, and checked your oil, and did it all for 32 cents a gallon. 
It was an amazing time. It really was. And as a kid, we would go on vacation, and I know they love this. We would go into the gas station, and we would get maps. You get maps free. And so you'd go in there, and you get a handful of maps. You know, again, I'm sure they love that. And we take them, we open it up, and of course, did nothing with them. But when you're traveling, you needed something to tell you where to go. And that was a map. Well, that was pretty cool. Then Rand McNally came out with, with their atlases, which they still make, by the way. You know, a whole book of nothing but maps of America. And that was pretty cool. Well, something happened in 2006, I believe, maybe seven. 2006 or seven. Judy, I, and Nan Franks were going down to Metropolis First Baptist Church to share with them about one of our mission trips to Africa. And so we get in the car and Nan Franks says, well, I can put the address in and it will t- tell me where to go. I said, say what? <laughs> say what? She said, yeah. So she, she got on her dashboard and we punched in the address and this little map appears, okay, and it starts talking to us. You know, turn left here and turn right there. I'm going, oh my goodness, Nan, i got to have one of these. So you bet I got on Best Buy immediately and found me a Tom Tom. Tom Tom. Of course, it wasn't, mine wasn't real accurate. It said it was going to take 22 hours to go to Branson. So I knew that wasn't right. That wasn't right. I knew that. But, but I did trade it in. I know that was a little more accurate. So that moved on. And then came the crown jewel up to this point, came the crown jewel of travel aids. And some of you know about it. Some of you don't. It's called Waze. It is amazing. It's on your smartphone. It doesn't cost anything. It is free. And you put the address in there, and all of a sudden, you know, all this stuff starts showing up, you know, like, you know, where you're going, how long it's going to take there, how many miles, what time you're going to arrive, all of that is there. And, 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 and it's a community, so there are people that use this app and they report things. Object reported on road ahead. Car, vehicle on the side of the road ahead. Police reported ahead. Oh, better slow down. It's really cool. It gives you all this information. And as good as maps were, as good as the atlas was, as good as GPS was, a maze is, Waze is amazing. It's amazing. Well, I want to tell you about something today that will help you on the journey of life. And as important as to know where you're going when you're traveling, it's really important to know where and how you're going to get there in the journey of life. Brent, you said those words. What's next for God? What, what does God have for you next on this journey that you're on, this journey called life? And that's what we want to talk about today. And that's why I want to say, graduates, I hope you're really good. I know when I was, you know, 12th grade, graduating I didn't want to hear what anybody had to say to me because I already knew it all, you know. Uh, I knew everything. And so I know it's hard to listen to an old guy get up here on the stage and listen and tell me this is how you ought to live life. But, but just trust me, it's not from me, it's, it's from God. We're going to really get into God's Word today and look what God's got to say. But, 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 it's not, it doesn't stop at graduation. It's how to do life. So if you're graduating, that's really cool. But also, if you're doing life and you're breathing, so you are. Um, so, so, yeah, it's cool for you also. Now, a, a while, right before I went on vacation, as a matter of fact, it was, I was still developing a sermon. And I snagged something from an email that really just shouted at me. Actually, one particular part did. And I know the rules of public speaking said you don't read something, you'll lose people. I've got to read it because I just couldn't memorize it, okay? I'm just not that good, okay? But, but listen to these words. I mean, they're really incredible. Listen. Now, keep it in mind, the idea of, of this, okay, of, of life, okay? 
The object of life, well, there's a big open right there. The object of life, according to Jesus, well, that's really big. The object of life, according to Jesus, is breathtakingly simple. Well, that grabbed my attention right away. I said, okay, what is this guy going to say that's breathtakingly simple that Jesus said that is like so big? And here's what it is. Be rich toward God. Be, the object of life, according to this guy, and according to what Jesus said, was to be rich toward God. Now listen, this, all this caught my attention. Don't spend your life trying to climb the corporate ladder. Have you ever heard the story about the guy who spent all his life climbing the ladder and found he's against the wrong wall? You know, it's not a good thing, okay? Don't spend your life trying to climb the corporate ladder. It's a sucker's game. You can't beat the house. You can't beat the house. It's a sucker's game. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're graduating, you need to know something. Are you ready? You can't catch the Joneses. Okay? You know, I spent my whole life trying to keep up with the Joneses. I don't even know who the Joneses are, but I know they must be incredibly rich and have a great life because we can't catch them. We can't catch them. Okay? So don't spend your life uh, trying to climb the corporate ladder. It's a sucker's game. You can't beat the house, but you can be rich toward God. And that is so true. And here comes what really got my attention. Your life, with God's help, can be a source of pleasure to the God of the universe. Your life, with God's help, can be a source of pleasure to the God of the universe. And by the way, I'm going to say something right now. That's cool. But it's also cool that, that your life can be a source of great pleasure for you. For you. That there is a way to live life that is pleasurable for the individual. I think that's very important. Because that's what so many people chase. All right? It goes on and says, when the game is over, and you said it, time flies so quickly. I remember when Trey, you know, Trey and Loxton were like this big, you know, and they kind of like expanded. Okay? So your help with God's, your life with God's help can be a source of pleasure to the God of the universe. It goes on and says, when the game is over, all that will matter will be God's assessment of our lives. Man, that grabbed my attention. When the game is over, there's one thing that's going to matter. If you believe in God, if you're a God follower, okay, there's one thing that matters, and that is God's assessment of your life. Now, and this was the statement that this was, i got to include this. Venture capitalists, Hollywood and sports stars, school janitors, and Somalian, Somalian tribesmen will stand in line before him on level ground. Isn't that powerful? You know, venture capitalists, the guys that make all the money on Wall Street, Hollywood stars and sports stars. I saw where the highest paid actor in Hollywood, I don't remember, I think it was Patterson, Ryan Patterson, I don't know who it was. You know, I didn't recognize him. Anyway, they, he did a Netflix movie. Not a mainline movie. He did a Netflix movie and got paid $22 million for a Netflix movie. Go figure that out. All right? So, so, so Hollywood and sports stars, high school janitors or church janitors or bank tellers, it doesn't matter, and Somalian tribesmen, the guys that live on nothing over in Africa, will stand in line before God on level. 
So you start, I hope you're, at least I piqued your interest a little bit. And wow, this is a really big deal. This life thing is really, really big. Okay? So I came up with the big question. And the big question is this. So how can we, how can I, travel life and come to the end with great pleasure? And I added this in. Great pleasure and purpose with few regrets and few consequences. It's a big question. It's worthy of our attention this morning. How can we travel life and come to the end with great pleasure and purpose with few regrets and consequences? So that's what our big picture is today. How can we get to the end of the journey and have great purpose, great pleasure, and few regrets and few consequences? All right? And the answer is Highway 252. Highway 252. A while back, my granddaughter was graduated down in her dad's church down in Murray, Kentucky. And on the baptistry here, they did a horse trough kind of thing, you know. And there's this big old emblem in, in the shape of a highway sign. And it said Highway 252. I said, what is that? And it's part of the orange curriculum and all that stuff. Um, but anyway, it was based on Luke 252. And that's our key scripture today is, you know, we want to travel down Highway 252. And here's what Highway 252 says. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. There's the pathway. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. So we want to take those 14 words in this translation, those 14 words, and we want to look at growing, gaining, and glowing. Bada, bada, boom. Okay, all right, gaining, growing, and glowing. Okay, here we go. All right, let's look at growing first in Luke 2.52a. The Bible simply says this about Jesus. And Jesus increased. And Jesus increased. Life is about growing. Okay, here's two of my favorite jokes. I never tell jokes when I was on vacation. So, you know, you expect some jokes in my sermons. All right, number one. What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. That's right. What do you call a pig with no legs? Ground hog. What do you call a tree that stops growing? Firewood. Firewood. And you know, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. You know, when we, when we fail to understand and when we stop growing then we start dying. You know, when you stop, you know, stop growing, you stop living, and you start dying. So God has called us to a lifetime of growth. A lifetime of growth. That's emotionally, that's spiritual, and that's physical. God has called us to a lifetime of growth. So don't think it's easy. Seniors, even if, if one of you were not going to college, you would say, well, I'm done growing. Oh, no, you're just starting. If you go to college, you, I'm done. No, you're not. If you go to graduate school, no, you're not. And here's what I've learned oh, in my 65 years is that's just a growth process. And you want that because, again, when you stop growing, you stop living, and you start dying. Okay? Now, there's a time. There's a time that you'll stop growing. And it's a point out there somewhere called eternity. But it's not now. Now, I know too many people in life who sit there and say, I Stop learning. I've learned it all. No, you haven't. And neither will you. Life is about learning and life is about growing. And the big thing, 
huge thing about growing is something called prayer. Something about prayer. I told Judy on vacation, don't even know what we were talking about and thinking about. I said, you know, I think prayer is still one of the most misunderstood things that there is. You know, prayer is so much more about us and God and not getting what you know, we want from God. It's, you know, prayer is for us and about us to God. You know, and so I found this incredible scripture in our family series. You're going to hear this again, so I won't spend much time talking about a particular target. But in Colossians 1.9, I found this incredible portion of scripture that really applies. Especially when you consider prayer is a huge part of growing. When you stop praying, you're on the road to not growing. Okay? Now here's what Paul, Paul is writing to the church of Colossae. Okay? And here's what he says. In verse uh, 9, the first part, he says, For this reason also, and they, they, the reason was they'd heard about the love, their love for God and the love for each other. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. Let me just take a little deviation here, just for a moment, a planned deviation, and that is this. Parents, and you're going to hear this again in our family series, but parents, hopefully you've been praying for your children. Hopefully, hopefully you have been praying for your children, and I want to encourage you and tell you that don't stop now. Just because you get them through high school, don't stop. And if you go, oh no, I didn't know I was supposed to be praying for my kids, okay? If you're there, it's not too late to start. I love this thought again. You'll hear this in, in June sometime, uh, May, later May, June. You know, for this reason also, and if you don't mind me, Twisting the scripture a little bit, and that's a bad way of saying that. For this reason also, since today we heard you were coming. Hopefully from the day you heard, or maybe even before you were expecting a child, you began praying, God, if you bless us with a son or a daughter, God, we want to pray for that child right now. Hopefully, parents, you've been praying, God, send the right person into their life. God, please direct the paths of my children. God, please protect my children. God, please guide my children. Hopefully, before they even came, you haven't stopped praying for them. But if you haven't, it's not too late. Start now. Start now. Praying for your kids. And graduates and those of us up above that, the prayer that we find in, in verse 9, the second part, and 10, is a great prayer for us. Listen, these are really good words. Uh, again, you'll hear it later. We are asking, here's the prayer, we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Our, our prayer for you is that you be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. These are three crucial things. Three crucial things. That you'll be filled with the knowledge of His will. I'm going to ask a pointed question. You know, we heard these fine young people standing up here, you know, and they're saying, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And, and, and how did you arrive at that conclusion? How did you arrive at that? I hope. I hope that, that your parents have been praying for you. God, I know you created so-and-so for a particular reason. God, I know you created faith for a particular reason. And God, we are praying that, that she might be filled with the knowledge of his will. That God, why? That they'll be filled with the knowledge of why you created them. Your greatest, listen, your greatest joy in life is not going to be in the money you make, but in the fulfillment you find. 
It's not the money you make, but the fulfillment you find. So God has created you and wired you for a particular purpose. Find that purpose. Find that purpose. And that's the prayer. That you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom. In all wisdom. That you may take that knowledge of Him and that purpose of Him and then fulfill that and work through that the rest of your life. And, and, and the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Um, I, I, I wrote down, you know, seeing through the lens of faith. That your worldview would be through the view of the scriptures and, and, and your Savior and not through secular society. That your vision would be through the lens of God Almighty and not secular society. So that's huge. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now watch this, graduates. Watch this, graduates. Hey, watch this, folks. Listen to this. Without changing scripture, we can do this. Lord, I am asking... That I be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We can personalize it. This should be, not only should it be a prayer for parents, it should be a prayer for every graduate and a prayer for every person. Lord, please, I am asking that you, that I might be filled with the knowledge of your will for me. And, and Lord, with wisdom and with spiritual understanding. Three crucial things. Parents, pray for your kids. We'll talk about it in June. Graduates, hear it today. Prayer will help you grow. Pray this prayer. God, that I may know your will, that I may act in wisdom, and that I might have understanding of what you want me to do. And then that gives three, or excuse me, four results. I mean, this is a great verse. Let me read it again together. We are asking that you be filled with not the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord... Fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. Four great results of that prayer. That's awesome. Now listen, Mom and Dad, I don't know what you've got in mind for your kid. I don't know. Hey, graduate, I'm not sure what you've got in mind for your life. But if you are a Christ follower, if you are a Christ follower, these are four things. I mean, if you're secular, if you're a secularist, it doesn't matter. Uh, make money, spend money. You know, buy stuff, big toys. You know, that's what life is all about. That's what a secularist would think. But these things are really precious for a Christ follower. God, I, I want to walk worthy of you. God, I want to be fully pleasing to you. Hey, God, I want to be bearing fruit in every good work. You're going to find out. The greatest sense of purpose in life is in helping others. Not serving God, but helping others. There's more fulfillment in helping others than buying a boat for Kentucky Lake. A bigger truck. A different sport. You're going to find it is helping others. Every good work. And growing. Constantly growing. There's that word. Growing in the knowledge of God. So, why is it important that we grow? Why is it such a big deal? Uh, Dwayne, I thought it was just kind of like dead life, you know, and, and I, loved, I love what Trey said. I loved it. You know, yeah, I'm in a pickle and I'm working out of the pickle. Boy, that's, a, that's our life a lot. A lot of us can go, amen, brother. We got you on that one, you know. It, it really is true. But, you know, how do we, you know, how do we make sure, you know, that, that we're doing what God wants us to do and hopefully avoid some pickles sometimes? Okay, how do we do that? Well, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 10, and this is good. This is good for grads. And this is good for all of us, okay? In 1 Corinthians 13, 10, here's what it says. When I was a child, I love, you know I do, 
You know, I do these young kids. I don't know if I can say this on the pulpit or not. I'll run a risk. It's funny. You know, I, I, I lead a, a 10-year-old to the Lord. And so I look at him, you know, it's all serious, you know. I look at him and I go, so do you still poop in your pants? Yeah, you heard me right. Do you still poop in your pants? I go, well, no. I said, well, you did when you were a kid. What happened? I grew up. I said, that's exactly right. And that's what needs to happen spiritually. We need to grow up. So Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I mean, that's perfectly normal. That's cool for a five-year-old. You expect five-year-olds to do childish things. But then Paul says something else. He goes, when I became a man, when I grew up, i.e., you know, and it's a process, but it's not a, it's not an end point. But, hey, graduates, you're growing up, okay? You know, and those of you who are in the workforce, you're growing up. Okay, those of us in 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, we're growing up. When I became a man, I put away childish things. In other words, we start understanding responsibility and accountability, and we grow up. Part of being a Christ follower is understanding responsibility and accountability. When you're five, you know, you don't have any responsibilities. But when you graduate from, from high school and, and really entering into much younger than that, but especially when high school and college, you have responsibilities and accountability. And Paul says there comes a time when we stop acting like a child and start acting like an adult, making responsible decisions, seeking God's will for my life, you know, choosing that Sunday's the place to be in church for yourself, not because mama said so. Being a place in your responsibility as an adult that you start making right spiritual decisions and continue doing that for the rest of your life. Now, unfortunately, it's epidemic, and it seems like it's epidemic in America and many, many churches that that doesn't happen, okay? That people still have not grown up. Uh, Paul talks about it in the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3, 1, 2. I never preach this scripture because I find it so harsh. But it's also so true. Let me just read it to you. For my part, Paul says, for my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, like babes in Christ. You know, when a baby's small and cute and, you know, does everything I talked about and goo goo gaga, we all say, oh, that's so cute. It's cute when you're three months old. It's not cute when you're 21. It's cute when you're six. But it's not cute when you're 21. It stops being cute. Okay? So Paul says there's a problem in the Corinthian church. You know, I can't speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, like babes in Christ. By now you should be growing and you're not. Okay? It's what he's saying to the Corinthian church. He goes, I gave you milk to drink. Okay? Not solid food. Since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready. So Paul says there's a real dilemma, okay, when we don't grow. Okay, well, how do you grow? Well, let's back up to 1 Peter 2.2. It's a great verse. Like newborn infants, okay, desire the pure milk of the word, so you may grow up in your salvation. Now, how many of y'all ever watched a baby do a bottle thing? 
Anybody seen that before? Yeah, it's really, you know, some of them are like, you know, a little bit, you know, like, you know, like, like easy going, like. But man, there are some babies. Oh, yeah. You wave that, that bottle in front of their faces and they get steely eyed. Three months old, mind you, and they get steely eyed. And you put that thing near their mouth and they're like a bass jumping for the bait. They grab a hold of that nipple. <laughs> That's what Paul is describing. How do you grow? How do you grow? You grow in the same way that an infant desires that milk. Aggressively seeks that milk. Milk goes after that milk. And the reason why? So you may grow up in your salvation. Huge. It's huge for graduates to know that. As they enter a true adult world. You're really adults before that. But a true adult world. You know? It is true of us. And no matter our, our generation. Whether we're the 20s or the 30s or the 40s or the 50s or the 60s or the 70s. Paul says, be aggressive in your passion for the word of God. How do you increase? How do you grow not only as a Christian, but as a person, how do you grow? You have a, a passion, a desire for the milk, the sincere milk of the Word of God. So first thing, increase. If you're not growing, you're dying. Okay, what do you call a tree that stops growing? Firewood. All through your life, God calls you to grow. Um, you know, if you're a, a professional such as a, a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, you know they have a thing called what? Continuing education. And you go and you learn what's new. And that's what God calls us to spiritually, but it's also true in life generally that we're always to be growing. So we are to be growing. Number two oh, on the highway is we are to be gaining. Gaining. Here's what it says. So Jesus grew in wisdom and statue. Jesus increased in wisdom and statue. Now I told you we're going to come back to the word wisdom, okay? And I, again, I stumbled into a great definition for wisdom. If you have a sermon sheet, I just thought there would be on the screen. It's in the app, I believe. We put it in the app, I think, uh, this morning. Here's what the definition for wisdom is. Wisdom is the ability to think and act. Now, okay, there's life right there. Okay, there's that. There's life. Okay. Wisdom is the ability to think, to process, and to act. Well, we need... Don't... How many of y'all have got points in your life? How many of you have got a tattoo you wish you'd have thought before you acted? How many of you have got... How many of you from the 60s and 70s wish, did some things you wish you'd have thought before you acted? You know, we were on the... Where were we? Oh, we are in a restaurant, you know? And we're eating, you know? And this dude... On this finger here, actually right here, on the inside of his pointer finger, had this tattoo. And it kind of looked like that. And so you know me. Hey, dude. I didn't ask you something. It's a nice tat. I said, what is it? <laughs> he goes, well, he said, it's a mustache. He held up his hand like that. And, yeah. Yeah. And he goes, oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> He goes, some people think it's the bone of my finger, but no, it's a mustache. So I, th I think he was saying like, oh, geez, a little regret there. I wish I'd thought before I acted. Okay, well, okay, well, that is here, okay? Wisdom is the ability to think and act using, using, here are the tools, knowledge, experience, understanding, here's a rarity, 
common sense and insight. I'll read it again in case you know it's on, I know it's on the screen. You've got the app probably. Wisdom is the ability to think and act using knowledge, experience, understanding, common sense, and insight. That's why it's so important that we have wisdom. That's why it's so important that we act in wise ways. We think and act wisely, fewer regrets and fewer consequences. A lot more right decisions. Now, you've heard this verse before a zillion times. Uh, it's in the Bible a couple different places. Proverbs 9 and 10 is where I, I got this one from. Proverbs 9 and 10, the fear of the Lord. Now, you remember what fear means there? Reverence. The reverence. Respect. Respect for the Lord and the reverence for the Lord, okay, is the beginning of wisdom. It's not the end game, okay, but it's the beginning of wisdom. To reverence God, to worship God, to respect God is the beginning of wisdom, and it grows from there. You know, again, I, we were up there, and that's up there in that area on the train, uh, where, you know, when you get up there to the north where the Mississippi begins, it's like a little creek, it's a little creek. And, and that's the beginning of the mighty Mississippi River. Okay? Well, when we fear the Lord, okay, it's the beginning of wisdom. Now, you go over to Cape Girardeau. You go down to Paducah, on the, not the Ohio side, the other side. And you see this massive, mighty river. Okay? What happened? It grew. It grew. So the start of wisdom, not the end game, the start of wisdom is the reverence and the fear of the Lord. Okay? So he goes on and says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Knowledge of the Holy One. There's a big push, a good push, in helping people understand theology, the doctrines and teachings about God. Because we don't have a lot of that. We need that. We need that. And I'm going to say this. Your life would be much more purposeful and much more pleasurable for you in the sense of God when we understand who and what God is. There's great depth there. There's great depth there. You know, I think if something... You say, Dwayne, what's, what's a recent thing that's happened in your life spiritually that's been really big to you? And it's been about the last five years, okay, is a deeper understanding of God's grace. Now, again, if you're perfect, you don't need to know that. But if you're like me, a lot of warts and a lot of failures... You know, a lot of low self-esteem because of those failures. I, boy, when I started to understand, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're telling me that when I mess up, God still loves me? You're telling me that no matter how much I mess up, God won't let me go? Woo! That's worth owning. That's wild. That's incredible. And it's true. And it's true. And, and graduates, the more you understand about God, the more you understand about God, the more valuable he will be. You know, if you've got if you got something in your pocket, I don't know, pick pick something that you your grandfather gave you, and to you it's just like an old coin or something like that. And then you you somewhere saw in the news where this particular coin has a certain mint mark. It's worth millions of dollars. All of a sudden, what was worthless or near worthless becomes very valuable because you understand what it is. You understand what it is. So, so the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, okay? And knowledge of the Holy One, a deeper understanding of who He is. Not what He can do for you, but who He is. The very nature and character of God is understanding. So here's, here's a question. 
Speaking of wisdom. Okay. So God shows up at your house tonight and says, Callie, this is God. And she goes, you're kidding. No, no, really, it's God. Ask, and what shall I give you? Whoa! Did you know that really happened? Yeah, that was Solomon in 1 Chronicles 1-7. God shows up to Solomon and says, Okay, ask, and I'm going to give you what you asked for. What would you ask for? You know, would it be a new pickup truck? Would it be a success in your career? Would it be your dream of being an all-star player in baseball? What would it be? Well, Solomon... Now, he didn't end very good, but he started good. Okay? Solomon, here's his answer. And this is verse 10. Now, grant me wisdom and knowledge. How about that? Grant me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead these people for who can judge this great people of yours. When it came down to the point, you know, hey, God says, I'll give you what you want. He was like, wow. He said, give me wisdom and knowledge. Now, here's what's cool. That's a really good prayer. That's a really good answer to God saying to you. God wants to give you wisdom and knowledge. And it's a great thing. It's a great thing. When, when you have the wisdom and knowledge, again, life is much more purposeful and pleasurable uh, with fewer regrets and fewer consequences. Okay? So it's a great, great prayer. I really believe this. God creates us for a purpose. I know to ultimately worship Him. I got that. I understand that. But I'm telling you, when you find your niche, when, when God's God-given talents and abilities are put together for His kingdom and glory, uh, ultimately, and that doesn't mean going to Africa and being a missionary either, necessarily. It just means for His purpose, for His kingdom and His glory. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. And so Solomon was greatly rewarded because of that. So I think it boils down to this. And I guess, you know, we're going to have to maybe whack this thing off again. Um, but Matthew 6.33. You'll hear this coming up in the family series too. Matthew 6.33. You know, here it is. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all this other stuff will be added to you. Graduates. Postgraduates, old people like me, seek first the kingdom of God. More than the stuff, more than the popularity, more than the, the power, seek first the kingdom of God. See, that's what Solomon did. He was fulfilling Matthew 6.33 hundreds of years before it was written. Instead of saying, oh, give me riches and wealth. And by the way, it's kind of interesting because it does. You know, I never thought about that. It really is 6.33. Because guess what happens? You know, when Psalm says, give me wisdom and knowledge, God says, well, I'm going to give you that. And because you didn't ask for wealth and fame, I'll give you that too. Isn't that 6.33? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That doesn't mean... Oh, gosh, I'm going to be a millionaire. That's limited thinking. That's, that's putting God in a box. Because I'm telling you, the real purpose and meaning of life is not found in your checking account. It's found in your heart. It's found in your heart. I'm not looking forward to dying, but I sure hope when I get there, I can really say this. You know, I've had, I wrote this down 
weeks, no, I'm sorry, years ago, since I met Deville, um, I said this. May the last thing said about me be about him. I told you this the other day. I said, I still believe that. May the last thing said about me be about him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And it's easy, but it's not because of society. I am blown away by the obsession with sports in our country. Now, there's a reason I'm saying that. Don't think, oh no, are you going to get on that hobby horse again? No, there's a reason. Because the scripture said Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. He grew in wisdom and physically. Physically. So there is a tie-in. I'm not just saying that. But I'm amazed at, again, guys making you know 30 and $40 million a year um, in different, you know, the ability to throw a ball. And, and, you know, our highest heroes are not someone who bled and died in Iraq. The biggest heroes are the guy who plays shortstop for the Cardinals or for the Cubs. Our biggest excitement is when our team is winning. And there's a place for all of that. I'm not knocking it. There's a place. But what I just say, there's a place. And it's not first. It's not first. Okay, Dwayne, you really need to get yourself clear. And what are you talking about? I'm talking about 1 Timothy 4 8. And this is where we'll stop. For the training of the body has limited benefit. I like the old King James. Bodily exercise profiteth little. That's the old King James version. But the CSB says, For the training of the body has limited benefits. Are there benefits to being physical? Of course there are. Of course there are. But you know, I've learned two things in life. Do not try to stop a lady, particularly a senior adult lady, from her hair appointment on Friday at the beauty shop. Okay? Do not. And in today's society, I'm going to the gym. I don't care if I'm dying. I've got the flu. I'm going to the gym. Fine. That's cool. Just make sure it stays in priority. Okay? The training of the body has limited benefit. There's a limited value to that. Okay? Has value. Don't you dare say it. Instead, it has value, but it's a limited value. You know, again, in this culture, in the Greek and Roman culture, man, physique and everything, that was what, that's what mattered, man. You had to look buff. You had to look good. And the athletes were, were given you know, lifelong tax-free status if you won, if you won the race or won, won the contest. I mean, they were honored way back, like now. Again, some of our greatest heroes are guys who can throw a ball. That's fine. Some of us, you know, again, we will go to the gym. If we can't do anything else, we'll go to the gym because that has to happen. Be careful. Put your priorities in order because here's what it says. For the training of the body has limited benefit. But godliness is beneficial in every way. So it's cool. Hey, you want your kid to play sports? Cool. You want to play sports? Cool. You want to go to the gym? That's great. You want to run? Yeah, walk. Yeah, I walk. Yeah. That's all cool. Okay? But understand it's got limited. There's something of greater priority. There's something of greater priority. And what would that be, Dwayne? God. 
God. Because godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. If you take care of your body and look to be 130 years old, you are going to die and the body stays behind. See, I'm kind of slack on my exercise right now, but I've got it figured out. I'm going to die one day, and I'm going to get like a Ryan Frank's body. Not one trip to the gym, baby. You know, can you imagine pipes here and abs here? You can't imagine me, but, you, you know, and it's, it's yeah, I don't have to work for it. It's going to be like, wow, I'll probably even be taller with hair. You think about that, Brent? You imagine, me and Brent both are going to have full heads of hair. You're going to say, you look like Samson. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, godliness has benefit here and there. Anytime something drags from this world into the next world, it's valuable. Anytime something drags... From this life into the next life, it's very valuable. So he says, so he says, you know, by the exercise profits little, but godliness is great value because it starts in this world and drags to the next world. So, so graduates, congratulations, all that, congratulations. Like I said, it's a great milestone from high school as you launch into whatever God has next. Um, it might be, you know, for me it was the military, 12 years in the Air Force. It was a great journey. It's a great journey. Um, you know, some of you is college, some of you is the workforce. Whatever it is, whatever God has for you next. And that's the key word. Whatever God has for you next. And that wisdom and knowledge to know what he has next is just incredible. Just incredible. Let's pray. Father, I, I want to say it's a great privilege to speak today. I want to thank you for my 65 years. When I look back on the journey that you've led me on, it was not one I saw coming. But I'm sure glad you let me get in it. I'm glad for the time I spent in the military. I'm glad for the time I spent in the ministry. Thank you, God. And Father, I want to thank you today for our graduates, both high school and, and college graduates. Father, some of them just entering into the next realm of college education. Um, Father, I thank you for them. But Father, my, my heartfelt prayer today as their pastor, is Father, they'll seek you first. Seek you first. I know we live in a world that more and more we see them ignoring you. Father, I know there's going to be a stronger and stronger pull to ignore you in society. But I pray the roots, the roots of their faith, Father, will carry them. Father, I pray. I'm going to pray this right now, Father. God, I know you've given me a couple of life verses, anchor verses that anchored my life to you. I want to pray right now that you'll give these graduates a gift. For the high school and college, you will give them a, a verse, Father, that will anchor them to you. I'll pray for that, Father. God, I want to pray and thank you for all the moms and dads and all that they did to invest in these kids, these graduates. And, Father, I want to pray, Lord, that they'll keep praying for them. Keep praying for them, Lord. And, uh, God, we look forward to see what you're going to do in their lives and what you're going to do in our lives. And, Jesus, I pray this. In your precious name.